in the book of Acts. You're looking at the first chapter, verses 1 through 9. In the, thir- in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And he presented himself alive to them. After suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with him, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, from John baptized with water, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on him, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Father God, thank you. Thank you, Father God, so much for the incredible gift of the cross, for the celebration of Good Friday. And how in that remembrance, in that remembering time, Lord God, our our hearts break and our hearts mourn our sin. And we mourn the cost, Lord God, that it took to pardon us. And on this morning, we get to rejoice with great celebration and resounding song. We celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And on this day, we celebrate the death has died and love is one the love of jesus christ has won and is demonstrated in the resurrection of of him lord god that we are no longer slaves but we are free for those who are in christ jesus this morning lord we want to celebrate that we want to celebrate it as as we look to what you've called us to do in light of the resurrection Thank you, Lord, and I pray that our hearts would be desperate to hear from you, that we would so desire to hear the Holy Spirit move and work, Lord God. Please, Lord God, touch our lives and our hearts right now this morning by the power of your word. In Jesus' most holy and wonderful name we pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. We are starting something new this year with our resurrection celebration. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome. I'm Pastor Scott. 
been pastoring Livingstone Church now for almost at the end of April, six years. And this year, as the elders got together for the retreat, we, we got excited about doing something a little bit different. And we are treating Resurrection Sunday like our New Year Day. This is our Super Bowl. This is where we're getting together and we get excited and we're going to mark this day by setting the tone for the next year. So I know normally New Year's Day is January 1st, but for us as a church calendar, we're going to set our New Year's Day by whenever Resurrection Sunday lands. And we're going to focus on what we're going to do and what we're going to learn on one singular topic and look at many different places in the Bible that covers this topic. And for us, this next year is going to be that because Jesus lives, because he walked out of that grave, we are sent. And we are so excited. Next week, we're going to start Jonah, and we've entitled our Jonah series, Grace for the Sent. And Nigel Hunter is going to be opening that series up for us as I'm taking my family to Disneyland. Appreciate your prayers. I don't want to hurt anybody in those long lines and crowds of people, okay? And uh, for those of you who are jealous, you know, um, come talk to me afterwards, okay? But no, we're going to have a great time, uh, Christy and the girls and I. We're going to go down and do that. Um, but we're going to start Jonah, and then after we study Jonah, we're going to do a seven-week series on the Holy Spirit. Seven weeks, and we can't wait. We're going to begin the day of Pentecost. How wonderful that's going to be. And we're going to go seven weeks in that series. And then after that, we're going to do our essential series. And then after that, we're going to do 13 weeks on the story of Joseph. Because Joseph was a man who put his life on display for all to see. He put God on display wherever he was at. Whether at home with his brothers, little touchy situation there. Or, or, or whether he was in Egypt as a slave. Or whether he was promoted into power. He continually put God on display. And then finally, we're going to finish up the close of our year in Acts with a church on mission. So we're really excited about that. So that's coming up this year. So you got a year quickly, briefly. But as we look at this morning, as we talk about the church being that Jesus Christ got up, walked out of that grave, he's alive, and we are sent... Normally, we'd start this, this Sunday off with looking at passages of Scripture about Jesus' resurrection. We look at how Mary and Martha got to the tomb, and, and they, they looked in, and they saw that Jesus wasn't there. And the wonderful descriptions in the Gospels, all four Gospels speaking into the resurrection account. Or, or one of my favorites in the Gospel of John, you got to love how the Gospel of John puts this in there. In the Gospel of John, the author identifies himself as the beloved disciple. Well, he's got this wonderful little caveat in there. It says where he outran Peter, okay? Not only was he the beloved disciple, but he was the fastest disciple to the tomb, okay? And you've got these, and, and don't miss those points in Scripture. I mean, it's fun to study God's Word and see these beautiful things that are there and fun things that are there to discover. But in all of those stories, there's, there's one story. There's an individual within this story that is deeply impacted by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we see his impact as we look and continue on in Acts. So if you're stayed in Acts, good. We're going to continue on in Acts and look at the beginning of Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2 here, and I shouldn't have moved on. I should have kept my Bible there. 
In Acts chapter 2, we see here at the beginning of Acts, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together, talking about the disciples in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house while, where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout man from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? language. And then if you skip down to verse 14, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only the third hour. We haven't even had time to get drunk. It's too early in the day. But look, but since it was written, uttered by Joel the prophet, and Peter goes into an amazing sermon, which the result of many believe in Jesus Christ. How did this happen? How in the world did we go from this individual, Peter, and we're going to talk a little bit about his life before the resurrection and what it looked like, to now where he is standing up in front of crowds of people speaking about Jesus Christ with power and with authority and people's lives are being changed. You see, Peter knew that because Jesus was alive, he couldn't keep this a secret. And he's going to stand up and he's going to proclaim it by the power of the Holy Spirit to these people. Because the truth of the resurrection is radically transformative. The truth of the resurrection changes hearts and lives. And you can't talk about the resurrection, you can't talk about the truth of the resurrection and not go, I gotta go tell somebody. For Peter, it was very much in line with who he was. He was an impetuous individual. We learn as we look back at Peter's life in the Gospels, it's very interesting that Peter is the most talked about in all of the Gospels. And we often think of Peter as the guy who continually put his foot in his mouth, which he earned that reputation. Peter was called by Jesus Christ with his brother Andrew. And one of the famous things that Peter is known for is found in, in Matthew. When, when Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Who are people, what are, what are people saying that I am? The disciples will say, some say you're a prophet, some say you're Elijah. So they give out these lists of things and, and he stops them and he says, no, 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 no. Who do you say that I am? And Peter, Peter stands up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Peter, you didn't come to this knowledge on your own. The truth of who Jesus Christ is only possible through the gift of God to us. 
This is not something that you can discern on your own. And hopefully, we, we hope that Peter learned this lesson, that the truth of God is derived as a gift from God, and that to one understand the truth of God, one must be in, in, impelled by the power of God. But, but Peter has a little bit of a struggle with this. Peter, when Jesus had gathered his disciples in the upper room for what we call the Last Supper, Jesus tells Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And this is after Peter says that some of, or Jesus had told his disciples, some of you are going to fall away. And Peter's like, not I, God. Not I. If I, God, I'll go to the hazard for you. I will surrender my life for you. I will never deny you. On whose power was Peter making that statement? His own. Jesus had tried to teach Peter over and over and over and over and over again through his life and through the interaction of the discipleship he had with him that, Peter, you can't do anything underneath your own power. You can't even understand who I am underneath your own power. That has been revealed to you by God. But Peter has got to learn this hard lesson. And Peter learns an important lesson on the training ground of failure. We know the story, and maybe you don't this morning. Maybe this is your first time coming to a gathering, and welcome, welcome, welcome. So glad you're here. We're really glad to spend this time talking with you about the person of work of Jesus Christ. And I think you're going to hear as we talk that we don't view Jesus Christ as some myth or just some figure that may have existed in history, but we believe in the factual, actual Son of God becoming man, God-man Jesus Christ, and that he really did exist almost 2,000 years ago, and he really did, really was crucified. He really did rise from the grave. And hopefully you sensed that as we were singing songs here this morning. That a bunch of Christians are really excited to sing about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter follows Jesus when he was arrested in the garden at a distance, Scripture tells us. Peter goes by the fire to warm himself. And he is encountered three different times by people confronting people who are saying to Peter, you're one of his followers. And three different times, Peter denies Jesus Christ. Luke writes an account of the third denial that just breaks your heart. He says in chapter 22, in verses 60 to 62, but Peter said, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while they were speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine that? The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter, remember the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. We are so blessed 
by the gospel of John, sharing with us the restoration of Peter. Jesus intently, and it's very interesting, if you study the gospel of John, Peter is hardly mentioned. Whereas in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Peter is mentioned all over the place. Peter is hardly mentioned prior to the resurrection. But after the resurrection, it's like it's all about Peter and Jesus. Maybe you remember the story. Peter and his disciples or his friends are out fishing. They haven't caught anything and Jesus from the shore tells them to throw out their nets to the other side of the boat and when they do so, they get such a catch it's almost sinking the boat. Immediately, Peter realizes it's Jesus and he dives into the water as Peter does. You gotta wonder if the boat beat Peter into the land or did he beat the boat in, but Peter goes into the water because he wants to be with Jesus. He is heartbroken for what he's done. And Jesus has a fire already going, fish already going on the fire, and sits around with his disciples and three times asks Peter, do you love me? Three times Peter denied Christ. Three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Restoring Peter. Letting Peter know you are forgiven. And I want to encourage you this morning as we begin talking about that because Jesus is alive, we are sent. I understand full well that there are going to be times when you and I, when going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others, will do it underneath our own power, our own strength, and we will fail. But be encouraged by the gospel of John that reminds us the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ stands ready to be given to us. We're going to fail in this journey of being sent, but God's grace is sufficient for us as he looks to restore us, to get us back on our feet so that we can carry the gospel of Jesus Christ out. That testimony of Peter on the day of Pentecost sharing the truth of who Jesus Christ is with the many that are gathered together in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost is a sign of Peter's incredible restoration. It's a sign that the work that Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross and in the resurrection is complete because Peter is now saying, I've been forgiven and you've been forgiven too. And that's our story too. That's our story too. We have been forgiven. And because we have been forgiven, we can get up and tell others that you too can be forgiven. And you can experience the same victory over sin and death that I've experienced in Jesus Christ. There are some wonderful things that happen when we begin to pursue God and being sent by him. And, and when we talk about being sent, it's very interesting. So many times we often just think about being sent to the not yet believers in our community and in our world. But we're also called to be sent to one another to encourage one another's heart. So I'm talking about being sent to both. That because Jesus Christ is alive, 
we can go to our brothers and sisters and encourage them with the gospel because guess what? If you're a child of God and hear the gospel, you are still in need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. For by grace you are being saved. The gospel is still changing your heart, it's still changing your life. And we need each other to remind us of the gospel. We need each other to encourage us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We still need to be discipled. We still need to be evangelized even after the cross. But there are some wonderful things that happen as we act in obedience and take the gospel of Jesus Christ into the world that we have been sent into. We look in Acts. If you're in Acts, turn, or stay there, and we're going to look at some of the different things that have happened in Acts. In Acts chapter 2, we see after Peter's sermon that many, many lives are altered and changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what. There's nothing more amazing than being present when somebody trusts in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior for the first time. It is a miracle. It is miraculous to see a heart of stone made into a heart of flesh as somebody confesses their sin, repents of it, and becomes part of the family of God. To be there in that moment is an incredibly celebratory time. I mean, you talk about addicted to something. We should just so long and so yearn for that, Lord. Lord, please, let this be the day that I get to experience that with someone. Let this be the day that I get to be with someone when they are welcomed into the family of God. Let me just, I want to be around that, not for my glory, but for that, that the Holy Spirit might be present and uniting our hearts together and that we might glorify God to you with, together for the, this person's first time. I want to be a part of that, Lord. Peter and the disciples got to experience that. Peter and the disciples, Peter and John specifically, in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, they got to they watch a lame man get healed. Now, some of you might start arguing with me that, well, that was a different age, that was a different time, those things aren't still going on. Let me tell you what, if God chooses to heal, he will heal. I want to be part of the prayers that are offered up to God that sees that healing take place. I don't want my lack of faith of going, I'm just not going to pray this prayer because really, truly, I don't believe this, this God can do this. I don't, I don't want my lack of faith to not be participatory in God's healing. God cares about our physical. They got to witness physical healing take place. And, and, and I think that's something I got to confess as, a, as an elder in this church, as the pastor of this church, I don't think we do that enough. I don't think we pray for the sick enough. I don't think we do. And as we talk about being sent this week and this year, I think that needs to become part of a regular part of our service that we are offering up prayers for one another, for those who are sick, for those who are suffering, we need to be doing that. And I'm telling you, as, a, as an elder board, we want to be praying for you. Please let your prayers, your requests be made known. In Acts chapter 4, we see the bold proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ before a council of religious leaders. And you talk about a place that it's tough to be courageous in front of a bunch of religious people. 
but they boldly proclaimed the gospel, even if it meant their whipping, even if it meant their imprisonment. Peter got to experience what it was like in the books of Acts, we read about this, that he was imprisoned for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, some of us may be thinking that that's, that's kind of crazy. We're not, in America, we're not experiencing that kind of persecution. Maybe someday we will. But let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. Just because things get hard doesn't mean our voices should go silent. And what should we be loudest about? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ got up and walked out of that grave. We, that, that should be upon our lips 24-7, Christ got up and walked out of that grave. Last week, we watched a video from Francis Chan, and he said, how would it be if every single morning we got up, and the way we began our morning was by stating to ourselves, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. If that was the first thing that we said in the morning, we rolled out of bed. And putting our hearts and our minds in a position to be proclaimers of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, Peter gets imprisoned, and there's a whole household, there's a whole mess of people praying for Peter and for his release, and Peter gets to experience an angel walking into his, into his cell, and his chains just fall off of him. I mean, can you imagine that taking place? And the gates just open up before the angel, and Peter just walks out. And what's crazy is the people who were praying for him were fervently praying, Lord, pray for his release. Lord, we want to see him released. But when he shows up, they're going, it's not really him. It can't be him. He's in jail. Well, wait a minute. You were just praying for his release. Have we stopped believing that God can do amazing things? We, we have. We put God in a box. But when we are a people that are sent and we act in obedience as a sent people, we get to experiencing the miraculous. But let me tell you what, you won't experience the power of God. I'm telling you right now. We as a church body will not experience the power of God if we remain silent about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we remain silent about people's desperate need for a Savior. Oh, we'll keep, we'll keep gathering and I want to challenge you with something. If you're visiting with us, uh, this may seem a little harsh, but for our church body, they're, they're kind of probably used to this by now. We have a very sad thing taking place on a very glorious day. We have no baptisms. None. This is horrific. Why is there no baptisms this Sunday? Brothers and sisters, we have to own this. We have to own this. We're the sent ones. We're the ones that are called into this community to take the gospel of Jesus into the Christ, of Christ into this community so that hearts and lives might be changed by the gospel. And then we get to experience the miraculous. And then we get to experience the power of God. And yes, persecution and suffering, it's all going to come with it. Praise be to God. Because it is in the suffering of the, of the saints that we get to experience the power of God. And then we get to experience people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And then we get to have baptism. I want you to remember something that we did as a church family. We wrote a bunch of names on rocks. And we prayed over that. And we put those rocks at the foot of the cross on that old site. Well, this, about two weeks ago, I moved those rocks to someplace else because we got new land that we're purchasing. 
We're waiting to close on it. And we're going to put those rocks back in place and that cross back in place. Have we stopped praying for those people? Are they still part of a regular part of our prayer life and not just praying for them? Have we engaged them with the gospel? Have we shared the gospel? And are we continuing to be there and be present with them? Because I'm telling you what, that is what's going to take to be used as agents, as ambassadors. We've been memorizing 2 Corinthians 5 together. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. I want you to start beginning to pray that 10 baptisms take place next Resurrection Sunday. 10 baptisms of people who are new to faith in Jesus Christ. Can we commit to doing that? Can we commit to doing that? Because I believe that if we start praying for this valley, for the evil one, to have no authority in our valley and in our communities and that the veil of darkness might be, be removed from this place that we can believe and we, we can trust in Jesus Christ that he is going to move and hearts and lives are going to get changed by the gospel. It is an exciting thing. And as we see this take place, man, we're going to experience the power of God like they did back in Acts. I want that. I can't help but sit here and, and read this and be jealous. I mean, come on. They're daily breaking bread together. They're communing together. They're, 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 they're sending time together. They're celebrating Jesus together. And thousands were added to their number daily. And I know it was, it was, it was a special time. But brothers and sisters, we want that. We, we want to yearn for that and ache for that. Because Jesus got up and walked out of that grave, we are a sent people. And God has prepared this work for us. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. We were made for this. We weren't made to be lawyers. We weren't made to be doctors. We weren't made to be attorneys. We weren't made to be real estate agents. We weren't made to be shop owners. We weren't made to be, you name it, teachers, chiropractors. We were made to be Christians. And the things that God gives us, these roles that we get to play in this world, are to be used for his glory so that we might be mouthpieces of God in our community. But as we go out, and when we go out, and as ascent people, we're going to discover that we have two desperate needs. Two desperate needs. Peter, when he proclaims Jesus Christ, he proclaims Jesus Christ because he intimately knows Jesus Christ. Now, you may say, foul, that's a little unfair, Okay. Peter got to walk with Jesus for three years, right? He got to sit down and talk with him face to face. They got to have these interactions. Okay, we don't get to have that. No, God has given us the full revelation of himself in the word of God. We can know Jesus. And that is the first desperate need we have about being a sent people is that being a sent person means that you need to know who Jesus Christ is and you need to be in the word of God so that you might know him. We desperately need to know Jesus in order to be the sent people that we are called to be. Colossians 1.9 says, For this reason, 
Also, since we may we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And brothers and sisters, when I talk about knowing Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about an academic knowledge. I am talking about an experiential knowledge that we combine our brain with our heart and that we know Jesus. We know the Jesus Christ who changed our hearts and our lives. One of the things that we're getting continually getting challenged with here at Livingstone is, is how when we corporately gather together to worship God, is that are we doing it in a manner that is challenging us and pushing us? I was so happy to hear the clapping going on this morning. It's been far too rare. Poor Curtis is, is about ready to shrivel up and die <laughs> if we don't hit more clapping going on around here. To be excited, my goodness. We only get to do this once a week for an hour and a few minutes. That's it. We've talked a little bit as elders, and Glenn and I have come to this, I think, understanding that one of the reasons that, that we're kind of not so willing to, to, to praise and worship God with such freedom is because we arrived to Sunday morning with entirely too much energy. And you're like, what? I'm exhausted. My job's been on me all the way. The kids have been a wreck. I mean, my husband and I aren't getting along. What are you talking about all this energy? I'm talking about being a sent people into this community. That we are not pouring ourselves out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So much so that we're desperate to come together as a body of Christ to get nursed, encouraged by one another and worship God together. We should be desperate for this time. We should be aching. I can't wait to see Dave. I can't wait to hear Curtis say we're not clapping enough. I can't wait to see John and Clarissa and their smiling faces. I need that. I'm desperate for it because I'm so poured out this week. I've been sharing the gospel and people have been kicking me in the head and the face and the evil one's been telling me lies and I'm starting to believe those lies. I need the truth of the gospel poured into me right now. Amen. I believe that if we become desperate for this time and for us gathering together, Consumerism is just going to fall away because we're just going to be so excited to spend this time together. And that's the second thing that I believe in regards to the needs of being sent because I don't want to be a sent person, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a sent person that's bitter. God says I have to share the resurrection. That we're so angry with maybe the situation, maybe health-wise, maybe with our families, maybe with our job. We're so dissatisfied with everything that's around us that we're, we're upset with God and we're no longer able to share with, with great joy the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, I think that, that that reason that takes place is because we've depleted ourselves because one, we're not spending time with our Savior. We're not getting to know him. I mean, I won't ask you to raise your hands, but I wonder how many of us this morning could say this last week, 
we got silent before God where we didn't say a word. Just in a desperate need to hear from him, where we've taken the scriptures and we've meditated upon them. And we've thought about them and we've prayed over them. Where we invited the Psalms into our prayer life. How much time did we spend this week and getting to know God? Because when we're not getting to know God, man, it's really hard to understand why he's got us where he's got us and why he's got us struggling, why he's got us where the places where he's got us struggling. And I would also think that one of the reasons that we get bitter and angry as ascent people is because we're not spending time with one another. We're not gospeling each other's hearts. God made us to be in relationship with one another. He made us to draw near into each other's lives and encourage one another. And, and, and the scriptures are filled with examples. And I, as you look at the, the New Testament, you're like, okay, we have Luke and Acts that were written to Theophilus, but we can see the widespread of the of the these books to the church body and how they've encouraged the church body. And, and others might say that Philemon was written to an individual, but it was even within that book we see that it was good for the whole church to read. The New Testament was written to the church body for the good of the church body. The New Testament was written to a people who were regularly gathering together. They weren't supposed to forsake the gathering together. And let me tell you what, I know that Christ, Christmas and Easter are popular times for people to come together in a church service because it's somehow we, we, you're like, well, we've got to be there Christmas and Easter. But brothers and sisters, you need it more than that. You do. And let me tell you, when you're not spending time with the body of Christ, it's easier not to spend time with the body of Christ. And it makes it harder to come back. Because all of a sudden, thoughts fill our mind and our hearts. And, and all of a sudden, lies of the evil one begin to seep in. And we're like, all of a sudden, we find ourselves in disobedience against God. And when in disobedience to God, we're asking God to bless us. We're asking God to, to take care of us. And, and, but we're being disobedient to him. Why should he bless us? You see, in order for us to be a joyfully sent people, and that's what I want for us. I want for us to be a joyfully sent people. A people that Jesus is alive. I mean, can you say, if you can say that without a smile on your face, we may need to talk afterward. He's alive. And because alive, we've been set free. And that message should fill our hearts with joy as we go out into our community. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you that we get this next year to talk about you and what your wonderful plan was and how it was demonstrated through our Savior, Jesus Christ, and that he got up and he walked out of that grave. And for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who have trusted in Jesus as their Savior, have sought forgiveness for their sins, Lord God, we get to rejoice. And we get to proclaim the message. Lord, let us not be silent. Lord God, the evil one wants to keep us silent, I ask right now, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord God, that you would, you would just give incredible power and victory over the saints in this room today. 
That whatever veil, whatever darkness, whatever lie that they've begun to believe, that they don't know enough, or maybe they haven't experienced enough to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, that might be eliminated. Because, Lord God, the miraculous, life-changing story that you have given every believer is sufficient for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And most importantly, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us that will give us the words that we need to say in those moments. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of the church. What a beautiful gift it is. In Jesus' most holy, wonderful, and precious name we pray. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. So I hear in there, uh, is that uh, my purpose, what I'm thinking about today, that my, my purpose um, is not exactly my passions, and that I've got passions, um, music and my wife and my kids and other things, but but that those, I shouldn't confuse those with my purpose. Um, I think that something in my head I, I, I'm seeing is probably, I don't really know that, that that's totally clear for me uh, all the time. This was helpful. I was, I was sitting here listening this morning from Paul. He wrote to the Corinthians. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, Come back to God. You know, and it's not, none of that's possible um, without the cross, without the blood, without his body being broken.